Well, hello everybody and welcome. Welcome to the Words of Women and Wisdom radio show, streaming live on BBS Radio from California and syndicating to over 100 stations globally. And I'm delighted today to be joined by a guest who I will formally introduce in just a moment. She has a beautiful name. It's uh, kind of an unusual spelling, so I want to make sure I get it right. Milan Rice. Am I pronouncing your name right? Yes, like Italy or, you know, the Disney movie Mulan, however you <laughs> choose to remember it. That's Excellent. cool. Well, yeah. when the Disney movie came out, that would make it definitely uh, easier to uh, easier to remember. So yeah. thank you for joining me. I am so excited to share your story. So if you haven't joined us before, the Words, Women and Wisdom radio show is all about showcasing amazing women. Women who have typically risen through some sort of tragedy to triumph and are now out in the world sharing their gifts, sharing their story, doing amazing, impactful work. And as a a coach myself, I love sharing these stories. I meet a lot of incredible women and myself, I also do support mission-inspired women entrepreneurs. So those women who are on a journey, who have a passion, who want to get their message out, and we connect via the radio show and a number of other sources. But this is a passion project for me too. So the Words Women and Radio Show was born about two and a half years ago. I've had some incredible guests on the show during that time, including people like Deborah Poneman, Natalie Ledwell, Susie Carter, and many, many more. I encourage you to listen carefully because there are wisdom nuggets that you will want to make a note of. So go grab your pen and paper right now. Listen to the show to the end because there will be some gifts. We always offer an opportunity at the end for our guest to offer a gift and I have a gift as well. So you'll be in for a real treat. So working in a in a bit of a man's world still, I love showcasing strong women women who have a story, women who have business experience, and they also have a passion, and now they're bringing that together. And with enhanced communication skills, they can then authentically lead, they can expand and engage their mission, they can step into leading business, hiring a team, expanding, and making a difference globally in their community, Or sometimes it's just a ripple with one person, and yet that person then goes on to do great things. So welcome, Milan. Hello. (laughs) Happy Saturday. (laughs) Well, this uh, this show is actually being pre-recorded, so we're going to air it on Tuesday. So we are good. And Milan, a little bit about her background. She is... um, She's a sexual assault survivor. She's actually um, kidnapped and raped when she was 10 years old. And I'll let her share her story around that. Um, obviously, um, you know, there's an impact with that, you know, anger, lack of self-worth, depression, um, borderline alcoholism. I need another cup of coffee. Alcoholism. <laughs> it's okay. We all do oh, it. That's a, yeah, it's a, it's a serious subject. And yet um, I couldn't get the word out there. Um, and 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 had a situation where one day she just literally crashed because all of the emotion around what had happened when she was 10 came to the forefront. So she's going to share that story. She is passionate. She's a thinker and a doer. She flourishes in everything that she does. And for 10 years plus, she built a, a record of success producing events events, developing partnerships, creating campaigns for influential brands such as Walt Disney World, Allstate Insurance, Clear Channel, McDonald's, and the United States Census Bureau. So while she was on this path, she obviously learned a lot about managing clients and celebrities with a a deft touch, the importance of consistent innovation, and the value of a natural ability to build mutually beneficial relationships, which she now brings forth in in her work. So 10 years of corporate America, she gave in to, I love this, she gave in to her entrepreneurial learnings. It's like a tractor beam being an entrepreneur, I tell you, and founded M-Drive, a company specializing in transforming lives, changing mindsets for people to discover how to live their very best lives. And you've certainly had all of the requirements ready 
in your early life to be putting these skills to work. So you started the Lioness Den. I want to hear more about this nonprofit uh, arm of M Drive, which focuses on building up women who have been victims of sexual crimes and abuse, may have damaged self-esteem and have been uh, able to move from being powerless to through her mentorship, fully walking in their purpose. A sought after speaker, captivating audiences globally uh, with organizations such as the National Council of Negro Women, Morton College, Local First Arizona, and many, many more. With a BA in business administration and a marketing concentration from Governor's State University at University Park and a master's in integrated marketing communications from Roosevelt University in Chicago. So this is a very long bio, so deep, and yet I want to get to the real meat of this interview, <laughs> which is tell me the story, you know, what is it that, um, what is it that you went through that has led so much to the drive that you have today to helping other women? Can you share a little bit about that story early? Yes. I can. So I want to preempt that with saying that I had no idea this is what my purpose was at any point. Like if you would have told me this 15 or 20 years ago that this is what I'd be doing, I would look at you like, oh my God, no. <laughs> so not at all. No, I was really a corporate girl. Um, so my story, um, when I, as a kid, you know, my parents worked a lot, you know, they, uh, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. So my wisdom part comes from them. <laughs> so um, this one particular day, I was with my grandmother and, you know, um, I, you know, I was a very curious young girl. I was curious about everything. I had questions, you know, so um, she was like, okay, you, you can go outside, but you have to stay in the yard. You know, she had a fenced home. And, and so I was outside playing with myself and probably an imaginary friend that I created. <laughs> so um, there was a kitten, a little kitten that probably could fit at that time, could fit in my hand. And I was just like, oh, where's your mom? I'm looking around like, you know, it's, it's you know, I didn't want anything to happen to it. It was a little black kitten. So um, the kitten, I was trying to catch it as small as it was. It was very fast. <laughs> so um, it you know, slithered between the, the fence and I went outside the fence as my grandmother instructed me not to. And what happened is it uh, went into um, a yard, two houses down from my grandmother's house. And um, there stood a man, you know, I wasn't unfamiliar with him because I've seen him have conversations with my uncles and, you know, people, you know, I didn't see him as a threat or a danger or anything. So, you know, I went to the fence and I said, hey, can you hand me the, the kitten you know I didn't go in or anything he was like sure you know okay and you know he chased the kitten around a little bit you know kind of like I was doing and then he finally picked it up and he was like um and he looked at me he said you know what why don't you come in the yard to get it so I opened the gate again didn't think it was a threat you know I was focused on making sure this cat was okay right um and so I got you know I walked towards him and then once I was about two to three feet from him, I saw the lights go off in his eyes, like literally. And my whole instinctual, uh, as a kid, it was like danger, like literally. And by the time, and I turned around and said, you know what, that's okay. By the time that happened, he grabbed me, put his hand over my mouth and dragged me into his home in a dark, murky basement. It was in the middle of the day. Uh, and so he helped me for, it seemed like hours. To me, I felt like I was there for hours and I, you know, I was just like, oh my God, I, I, what I was thinking is my grandmother's going to kill me or he's going to kill me. Some one of these, I'm gonna, yeah. you know, so somebody's going to kill me. Right. So I remember um, him locking the door in, the, in this room in the basement and um, I was standing in the corner. I remember there's a TV on. So it was only, it was very dark. So it was only the glare from the TV. Mm -hmm. And I was just crying and begging for him to let me go because, you know, I didn't know what was going on. And um, he was just like, okay, I'll let you go once you take off your clothes. Take off the clothes and I'll let you go. Now, instinctively in my mind, I just thought he wanted me to take off my clothes. I had no idea he was going to actually penetrate me. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, after a, so long of pleading and begging, I was just like, fine, I'll take off my clothes. And I did it slowly. 
you know, and then he just finished it for me. And yes, he did penetrate me. And um, he didn't kill me, of course, because I'm here telling my story. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because he could have if he wanted to. I mean, and I'm thankful for that. But what he did do is uh, after he um, finished with me, you know, I put my clothes back on and he walked me to an alleyway and he let me out his gate and like, okay, thanks. You know, and I was just like, I was, I just died then. Like my soul, my heart, everything was down. Like I just died then because you took advantage of me and I was such a young girl. I was only 10 years old and I had no idea what what just happened you know I knew it was wrong and I knew he didn't mean any anything good um mm-hmm. but it, he he took away you know my virginity like you know that's not you know I wasn't thinking about you know sexual acts at 10 years old like that but mm-hmm. you know as an adult when I yeah and as an adult thinking back that's not how I wanted to happen you know mm-hmm. um so from that point um you know, I walk, like I said, my grandmother lived two houses down. So I'm in the alley and I'm walking and it's, this seemed like it took forever <laughs> to get to the end of that alley. Cause my grandma lived on the corner house yeah. and my yeah. uncle came around the corner, like, you know, cause I guess everybody was looking for me. Like every, you know, they searching the neighborhood looking for me. And I told him immediately like that man in that house raped me. So he, they called the, I remember they called the police, um, the police came, uh, it was two, three squad cars. I remember, thankfully, they had enough sense to send me a woman to talk to me. Right. <laughs> you know, a woman who yeah. was very, very um, nurturing and asked my story. Now, here's the thing. Um, he did some, he did go to jail. He went to jail for 15 years, but only because my family, you know, my uncles and my cousins, all the males in my family found him because he disappeared. Oh, I imagine he did. <laughs> You know, so they found him somehow, and I don't know how he's alive, <laughs> but they found him so somehow. And I, the worst thing ever is I kept having to tell the story over to the district attorneys, the state's attorneys, the okay. judges, and that was in the eighties. So it's the tech, it's much different now. You only the kids only have to tell the story once. Mm-hmm. Thank God they record them. You right. know, then they didn't have that. Yeah. Um. So and and then I had to sit and testify against him in a courtroom full of my family, his family. He had a brother who looked exactly like him. So I kept having to walk past him. Um, Attorneys and people and judges, I just kept dying over and over again every time I told the story. Like I just kept, it just, you know, it died. I died. They've changed that that approach now because that is, that is, I mean, it's torturous reliving that over and over and over. Oh, and and as a kid. I'm so so honored that you chose to share your story with me because, you know, obviously as a speaker, you know, you're now out in the world and people want to know why you're doing this work. Why are you so passionate about it? And it sounds like you've come to um, a point of, I don't know if acceptance is the right word or acknowledgement that people need to understand this part before they understand about the work and the deep work that you do. But well, I'm honored that you shared it with me. And I, I, I'm sorry that we've you know, had to bring it forward yet again. <laughs> no, 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 no. As an adult, it's different. You know, I went through a healing process, which yeah. is what I what I teach other people. I went through an extensive, extensive healing process, okay. uh, which I consisted. Don't be, I don't want to be thinking I'm triggering something. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. I, 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 I tell, I I've told it as an adult a million times. The first okay. time right. was a little hard, but I've told it a million times. Okay. It to me, I'm helping somebody. You know, it's not, it's no shame, there's no guilt. All the things that I used to feel, oh. it's not that anymore. Yeah. You know, no, it's I more so. I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking yeah. again about the impact and if oh, no, because whenever I tell, whenever I tell my story, I still, I still get all choked up, and uh-huh. I can, you know, sometimes I can get it out, and sometimes not. And it was nowhere near as traumatic as yours. So thank you. I honor you for that. Oh, thank so, you. The system um, has changed. So tell me the rest of what happened next. Um, at, well, he went to jail for 15 years yeah. for 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 um, raping me. And then I had to go through high school. <laughs> so, um, and I actually, you know, um, is for people who've been through trauma, um, you lose your memory. Some people lose their memory. I have no recollection of anything between age 10 and 14. Now, I've seen pictures of myself. Mm-hmm. And events and things like that. And I don't remember being there. And some of my young adult years, like 
and some teenage, I was like, you know, I can't say I wasn't there. I'm in the picture. <laughs> yeah. I remember the outfit. I don't remember the event. I don't remember nothing about it. Like literally. Right. So, um, I, you your, know, your brain just blocks, blocks out that period of time because it's just too emotionally painful. Right. It's, I guess that's what it is. You know, I, I wasn't sure, but just what I do know is, um, at some point the anger came. Um, and I believe it started coming pro- probably close to me being a preteen, being a teenager, you know, because you go to high school and, you know, it's already tough enough. You go to high school, you're trying to figure out who you are, you have to try to figure out who your friends are. Then you have this other thing, you know, you have this other thing, anger um, that's brewing inside of you that you don't know what to do. And the people around you don't know what to do. I mean, my parents did take me to therapy after court was over and everything because they felt like I went through a lot. But it really didn't help because he was a male. And I was like, I am not telling another adult male anything or trust it. But they were, they didn't think, I mean, it's not their fault because they didn't think about it in that aspect. But it was like, I didn't say anything to him. I was just, he he asked me questions. I was like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember I just was just nodding. And he was like, well, wow, she's getting through this great to be so young. It wasn't that I wasn't trusting you. And he didn't pick that up, you know, you know, that I was a male, that he was a male. I'm sorry, not me. He was a male. and. I wasn't trusting in any, as a 10 year old, any more adult men, you know, besides my dad and my uncles, you know, my family. So um, being in high school was not fun. (laughs) It wasn't uh, because I didn't know I was displacing my anger and things in ways that my friends and my family didn't understand. I think I just had a conversation with my dad about my anger the other day. And he was like, well, wow, I didn't, no, he said, I had no idea that we always, me and your mom always talked about it, but we didn't know where it was coming from. I'm like, well, this is where it came from. Now he was appreciative of me telling him that because he just thought I was just angry all the time and just mm. rebellious. And it was just because I didn't know what to do with this displaced anger. Yeah. Then I graduated from high school and I go away to college and then it turns into alcoholism because, you know, I, you know, alcoholism allows you to, or any substance, you know, or people smoke marijuana or do cocaine or any type of thing like that. Um, it's really people do it because they don't want to feel the pain. They don't yeah. want to feel whatever they're feeling. They don't want to feel it at all. Right. Yeah. And so for me, alcohol was my choice. And I drank a lot to the point my mother was like, look, you smelled like a vodka distillery. Like, you, <laughs> like, really like you have to get it together like she was really like you can't keep doing this to yourself and I'm just like yes I can because for that amount of time I don't feel any pain even though when I sober up pain so what joint pain was guilt shame you know the victim mentality all of that you know came with it as I got an adult you know coming into being an adult and so it was all of that you know and so um you know and then going into being you know my late 20s early 30s I developed a disdain for men like I did not like men I had no respect for them I liked them but I didn't have a respect for them at all Mm. um and then so it was that coupled with the anger and the lack of self-worth the you know the um all of that you know the shame the guilt and then the victim mentality then we're going to add on depression you know I was a functionally functioning depressed person so you know I'll show up like hi nobody knew I was depressed except for one person that I really didn't know well I met her in church she came over my house one day and she was like I'm you need help you know because what I was doing was you know um because I'm from Chicago um Mm -hmm. So in Chicago during the summers, you take advantage because it's, you know, I, I live like walk, you know moments away from Lake Michigan. I could walk to Lake Michigan right. and I was at home eating mac and cheese, which is my favorite food, by the way, <laughs> mac and cheese every day, tacos and half a quart ice cream every, like every day, laying in my bed, watching TV and not going out, you know, not dating, not doing anything. I didn't care how I looked. I didn't care about anything. I just crashed. And, and I mean, and now crashing, I can tell when other people are about to crash because I can see it. Um, and so I crashed. And so she was like, you need help. Like, you need to go see somebody. Like, you really need help. So I went to therapy. I loved it because the person who um, was my therapist was very honest with me and talked to me 
the way I needed to be talked to so I can sit with my pain because that's the first step to healing. You have to sit with the pain. Right. And when I say sit with it, you have to acknowledge some things, you know, you have to. So for me, I had to acknowledge that um, a, not the rape wasn't caused, but my behavior. I have to acknowledge that my behavior was totally disgusting <laughs> and, you know, not where who I was supposed to be, you know, and um, I had to sit and go back and rescue that little girl because I left her. You know, when I said I died, I left her like. I don't want any parts of you because you are pain. So I had to go back and get her. I had to literally go back and get her and rescue her. And doing that um, got me my power back. My power was taken away that day, but I went and got it back. I had to rescue that 10-year-old girl. I had mm-hmm. to. I had so to what, rescue. Was, what was some of the, <clears throat> excuse me, the key steps that you found success with in going back emotionally and rescuing her and reconnecting with her? So I'll be honest to say I had to do it through hypnosis the first time because uh-huh. I didn't even think it was possible. When it was said to me by my therapist, like, you have to go back and rescue the 10-year-old. I'm like, the hell, excuse me, the hell I don't know. I'm not going back. Like, no, I was like, no, I was just so adamant about it. Right. Um, I wanted everybody else to feel my pain and blame everybody else for it. And that's not how this works. <laughs> so um, when I saw her through hypnosis, um, I can remember it clear as day. She was alone. You know, she was just sitting when I saw her in my, you know, through hypnosis, she was alone. Um, and she was had a spotlight on her and she was just balled up in a fetal position. And the nurturing part of myself, the mothering part of myself, I'm not a parent, but every woman has it, but that came out like, oh, I have to rescue her, you know, immediately. And so seeing that, and that's just for me, it can come, it can, for it, it comes out for people different ways. Mm-hmm. So once I did that, I started sitting with myself and just understanding that it was nothing that I can do to possibly make that day of me being sexually assaulted not happen. Right. I had to say it was not my fault, you know, because I, I kept saying, if I never want to get the cat, if I never, it was not, it was, it was not my it fault. It was not your fault. It was you know? not your fault. There was no excuse. Yeah. There was they, no yeah. excuse for that behavior. So, yes, it's not. And so I had to realize it was not my fault. And I had to go back and rescue her. And I had to say, I love you. I'm sorry for leaving you. You know, I didn't know how to deal with this. You know, I had to talk to that 10 year old girl that I love the way that I needed to be talked to as a 10 year old, you know, the, the nurturing and the love. So I can get my power back. And so I can, so the light that was dim can now shine brightly, which is what I'm doing by helping other people. Now I do other things too. You know, I still go to therapy occasionally. Now um, I do um, Reiki. I have two Reiki masters that I work with, you know, yep. um, I do meditation, you know, sound, um, healing. I do all types of stuff for myself uh, and um, to this day. And I just want people to know that healing is a forever process. It's not like, you know, (laughs) you know. It's like a rose, isn't it? Yeah. It's like an onion. I say an onion, actually, because, you know, when you peel, you know, it's so so many layers to an onion. When you get through one layer, you think you're finished. Here's another layer you think is finished. Because right now, what I'm learning about is how I lost my femininity through this whole process. And like, um, Mm. through my, most of my adult life, I've operated in masculinity, but it was for, not because I wanted to, it was because protection, because I refused to let anybody um, operate the remote control to my life. (laughs) Again, I refused. And so now that, and that happened through that um, light bulb came on through meditation, where it's like, okay, you lost your femininity, get it back. I'm like, huh? You know, so it doesn't have a little whisper. Yeah. The whisper from the universe. Yes. Universe, love, creation, however you want to. Yes. For me, it's God. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so it it, it was very clear that it wasn't going to have anything to do with how I dress or how I looked or anything like that. That type of feminine, it had everything to do with my spirit, my soul. And you know, and actually just embracing my femininity. And so I've been embracing it. It's actually been fun. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, so it's so interesting as I'm as I'm hearing your story. As I said, you know, my I have a similar um, a similar outcome, but a different story um, mm-hmm. with with my father growing up. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that we had talked about this on our brief call before, but um, growing up in in England. <clears throat> excuse me mm-hmm. my uh, father came back from world war ii with a bullet in dunkirk so he got a bullet grazed him came mm-hmm. back saw a lot of trauma obviously was not treated thousands hundreds of thousands of men weren't treated and he took that anger out on my mom and my mom turned from being a very successful business professional woman into this meek little person who um, i mean he literally stripped the dignity right out of her and and so when i didn't pass an exam when I was age 11 that was critical to either send me to grammar school where the smart kids went or secondary school where the not so smart kids went I flunked it by two marks I was not an academic like my my older sister um and he was just absolutely livid I mean I remember him standing in the in the the hallway opening the envelope all excited thinking I'm I've passed and his eyes literally went black, his face went bright red, and he screamed at me like, you failed, you will never, ever be successful in life. And he stormed out. And, you know, even though obviously there's, there's a big difference between the trauma that you went through, the trauma that I went through, I carried that for like, you know, 40 years, <laughs> 40, until I was 45. And it was like, I did, I put up a shield, mm-hmm. like, you know, you're supposed to be my protector. You're supposed to be my dad who believes in me. And here you are treating me like this. And this was a, you know, as other things that went on beatings and whatever, but the, you know, that event, I was very quiet through high school and they thought I was a snob because I didn't say a lot because mm-hmm. I wasn't going to open my mouth and, and risk getting shot down again like that. Um, and it was only when I hit about 45 that I realized that that shield that I was carrying around, that aggressive energy, someone told me too, my, my energy is kind of aggressive. Um, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't helping with my business growth then, that it was time to actually put the shield down because not only was I keeping people out, but I was staying small behind it. Mm-hmm. But I do want to say that um, even though we experience trauma in different ways, trauma is trauma. It, it 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 trauma it, it takes you from being who you who you really you know it, it's a, a thing that happens that takes you away from who you really are yep. you know it, it 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 um alters your mindset you know and, and and it does a lot of different things you know to you that you really don't recognize you know so trauma yep. is trauma and, and that's something too you know uh, I tell people that trauma is not just what we see on tv it's not just sexual assault and murder and things like that mm-hmm. you know it could be the death of a stillborn child it could be death of a family member it could be a divorce it could be uh you know like what you went through having a, a family member somebody you love traumatize you with their words and and verbally and physically beating you you know so trauma it comes out in so many different ways but um when I want to tell people this and you know lately I haven't cried when I said this but because I truly wholeheartedly believe it on the other side of pain on the other side is beautiful I'm I'm, I, I don't know how to word it any other way but when I first felt felt my healing I felt it and I saw it and I you know I went outside I don't know where I was going I think I was going to the store or something I went outside and I saw God everywhere (laughs) like literally it was just like I looked at the sky the sky was a blue I've never seen before um the 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 um the shrubs and the trees and the flowers were bright colors and the birds was having choir rehearsal (laughs) so they out here singing and it was this really feeling of a high vibrational feeling, yeah. um, you know, and I was just like, wow, I knew it internally that I was healing and I was letting go. That's what it felt. I was letting go of things. And so once I let go, let started to let go of those things, the scales on my eyes were moved. And I can see things for what they really were. Mm-hmm. And the more you heal, the more that happens. And that's what I help the people I coach with. You know, yeah. I help them remove the scales from their eyes so they can see 
this world and they can see who they are and they can see who God is, you know? And so that was primarily too, just to be totally honest. And like you said, you know, whoever you call them, God, her, you know, Jehovah, Elohim, whoever um, he is, whatever name that you call him. The thing is I had to surrender to him. Yeah. I had to surrender to him. So I'm I'm curious where in the journey was mm-hmm. the, ten, the ten years in corporate America was that um, before you started your healing journey was that after mm-hmm. like that was dead in corporate America <laughs> it didn't I don't really talk about corporate America a lot um, okay. in interviews but I'll since you asked I'll talk about it um, I was because I was functionally depressed it was like um, I had this drive because I knew what I, you know, for me, uh, I wanted to be a vice president, you know, of a big corporation, have a window seat so I could overlook Lake Michigan or something crazy in my head I had, you know, Um, but I um, was functionally depressed. It's like um, the people around me, honestly, I felt uh, in corporate, well, corporate is a beast in itself. So when you're functionally depressed and you're dealing with a beast, that's you you don't have people who, who got your back, you know, because they don't care about you being functionally depressed. They want you to win and win this client and do this and you know, all mm-hmm. those things that I were doing, I still wasn't enough for them, you know. Mm-hmm. So and um that was, you know, so I crashed somewhere in there, you know. So yeah. But I would, I, I would, you know, I was functionally depressed. So I come to work like, you know, it was the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> but I wasn't inside. I was just, you know, how candles are where they get to the point when they just started, you know, to wither away. I, I, that's just what it felt like. Yeah. Well, I think it's so interesting because there are, um, you know, obviously with the what what the world has been going through in the past eighteen months with COVID. Yeah, there have been so many conversations that I've been having where the light is the light is really shining, and you know it's 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 shining brightly back on yeah. each of us because it caused everybody to have this level playing field that created a, a chance to really look inside and say, well, what is it that's really important in my life? Because so many of the things that were accessories got stripped away, and. Yeah. And so, you know, in some ways that could be seen as a negative. I look at it as a huge positive. I'm also trained in Reiki. So I look at it and I say, you know, where's the gift in all of this? And now that we have this stillness, what can we hear that we were never able to hear before? Because our lives were just so busy, filled up with events and this and that and going to work. And now all of a sudden, those things have come to a grinding halt and we have time. You have to sit with yourself. Yeah, we have the time to sit with ourselves and what beautiful gifts can come out of that. And so for many of my women entrepreneur colleagues, it's about pivoting. Um, I've done a lot of reflection, obviously, in my business, have some other things coming up next year. And Mm -hmm. I have been taking this time out, time out, basically, time out from the regular um, busy world to really look and see, you know, what is it that I'm, I'm doing? What makes the biggest impact? What makes the biggest difference? How can I do more of that? What's working really well? How could it be even better? Um, and, and not be only looking externally for validation because mm-hmm. it's, it's huge. Once that light bulb comes on, as you said, it's like all of a sudden everything is just brighter, greener, fresher. It is. And, and life becomes at a higher vibrational level that we really feel I mean I, yes. I feel it. it's like a tractor beam you know you, you you're you're living your purpose right <laughs> you can't get off the tractor beam it's pulling right. you forward um, right. because you have identified what that purpose in life is and for me it's about uplifting the spirit of humanity which is one of the reasons I do these do these shows so I was just curious about that because I think that there are a lot of people that go to work and they get up they go to work they do, and that's it. do their very best and they come yeah. home, but they're not really living. So how do you connect with your clients? How do they find you? So I have a Facebook uh, page they can go to and it's uh, Miss Rice 22. 
to find me is M-S-R-I-C-E-22. Uh, and that's on Facebook. So you can find me there. Okay. And then I'm definitely on Instagram, which is my full name, Milan Rice. Um, so it's Instagram.com backslash Milan Rice. So you spell my name, M-A-L-A-U-N-R-I-C-E. So that's where you can find me. I'm definitely active. I definitely answer questions. Some people inbox me <laughs> and that's fine. I answer questions. Um, um, any events that I have will be on my social media pages. Um, anywhere that I'm speaking, if I'm in your city or, um, you know, like what we're doing now, it would be on my, you know, my social media pages. So you can, you know, definitely see. Um, I also connect, I've connected with uh, my clients uh, all type of ways and grocery stores, people, you, you would never believe this, but I have been in the grocery store. You know, I wanted to, well, let me backtrack a little bit. So, so you understand when I go in stores, I know what I want, I get it, and I come out. I'm not that person who goes down the aisles and look at everything at all. You're yeah, so an oriented person. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know what it is. I just don't like to talk in grocery stores. I just like to get what I'm going, get what I'm getting, get in line, and leave. <laughs> oh, no. So I've had women come up to me. I'm looking for letters, and a woman came up to me, and she just started talking to me. And it's not like I'm not going to talk to you. Let me, you know, say that. But she said to me, you know, after a few minutes talking about produce, she said, my grandfather raped me when I was four. And I looked at her like, wow, why did, you know, it's, I started, that started happening to me, you know, in corporate America, friends are telling me like, you know, um, their cousins and all types of stuff. And I'm just like, what, you know, I didn't understand it at first. I'm like, why are you telling me this? Because I, you know, I have talking about lettuce just a moment ago. Yeah. Uh, And so what I understood is when people are looking for healing, what they're looking for, you're going to be attracted to the person that you need. You know, you're going to be attracted, you're going to bring it to you. You know, that's just how, you know, the law of attraction works anyway. You know, whatever is in your mind and your heart, you're going to bring it to you. So um, I've been, you know, I've taught at um, colleges as an adjunct instructor. I still have six students and that was 15 years ago and they're still close to me, you know, because I've helped them in some way, shape or form, I've coached them, you know, mm-hmm. and so they're still active, they ha- they're married, have kids, graduate degrees, everything, and they still, because they felt a connection to me, and they, you know, and so I had, you know, at first for me, it was a little scary, because I'm like, wait a minute, but now I embrace it, because I get it, you know, it took me, you know, once I started the self-love journey, and understanding the self-worth, I got it, you know, and, you know, um, it's so many people out here that promote that they are transformational coaches and they help with healing and everybody is not for everybody. You know, you, some people may not agree or feel comfortable with me. Then I suggest you would, you know, it's like with doctors, go find a doctor. That's the best for you. I'm not going to say, Oh, you have to stay with me or force you. I want you to be comfortable because we're going to talk about uncomfortable things. <laughs> we're going to talk about and work through things. You know, I'm going to coach you through because I've been through it. I know what it feels like. I know it doesn't feel good. But I I just think that, you know, and, and if you need a therapist, I'm definitely going to tell you, I think you need to go to therapy. It's not I first, okay. you know, because okay. I don't act like I'm a therapist because I'm not. <laughs> you know I don't do that but I I do everything I can to help somebody because the thing when I think back I didn't have the tools I didn't know how like I wanted the help but I didn't know how I was like what am I supposed to do like you know I know this is not what God wants for me but you know and then I wasn't really connected to God I loved him but I was I didn't have a relationship so that's when I said surrender surrendering is having a relationship and allowing him to pour into you yeah, and, yeah. and and so you can feel again because I was numb for a long time so feel so it, it feels great to be on this side so you've also uh written a book not yet <laughs> yeah, the book, book is coming okay tell me about tell me about everybody that. keeps saying that to me this is funny you're the fifth person <laughs> <laughs> well, when, well there's a, when there's a powerful story such as you have shared today yeah. that needs to be in a book it needs to be shared because, yes. you know, I don't know the statistics. I don't, um, I don't follow the, those, those sort of rape trauma statistics, mm-hmm. but I am sure that there are millions, millions of oh, women yeah, out there mm-hmm. that are 
in a situation where they could really benefit from learning from you what yes. you went through what was it's the first coming. step the healing yes it's coming i'm gonna be told and i'm gonna i'm gonna promise you guys this is gonna be totally transparent i'm not gonna hold back i'm gonna tell you how i felt you know I, i'm just gonna be honest because i know there's other people that feel that way that's probably feel ashamed or not trusting to tell somebody what well, this is how i feel or this is how you made me feel or any of those things so i'm gonna be definitely transparent i'm gonna write it i promise that i started <laughs> i started so it's coming you know um it's coming it's coming okay. i promise you you know what you know what'll happen possibly is um, when I wrote my book, uh, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern yes. Art of Confident Conversations, mm-hmm. so that hit bestseller status a couple of years ago. Yes. Just got around to actually recording it. So it's my voice and now on audiobook. And I'll talk a bit more about that at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happened was I decided that if I was going to get this massive project done, I needed to, you know, bite the elephant in small chunks so um, I got up every morning at five for a two-year period um, and from five until 5 30 was my ritual my daily ritual my gratitudes my meditation um, all of the work that I do to center myself for the day mm-hmm. and then 5 30 to 6 30 I would write for an hour and it was it was almost like it wasn't even my words coming through it was like a download of yes what, you know what are the 40 words and word concepts that need to be in there because originally yeah. it was going to be 52 kind of like Gretchen Rubin's you know one one word for every week of the year and then my editor said no it's getting way too long you know you're past 300 pages and you haven't stopped yet so stop <laughs> so I thought well 40 40 words you know 40 days 40 nights there's some there's some connotation there let's let's do 40 words and so mm-hmm. every word that's in there, a word concept, has um, an action item uh, wrapped around it. So at the end of explaining that word, we go into here are some action items, here's what you can do with it. Um, and it's, it was certainly really therapeutic for me to write it because I uh, dedicated it to my mom, um, my uh-huh. first what I call unmentor, the person who mm-hmm. showed me what not to do and how to really get diminished by the power of someone's angry negative words Uh and then also uh, looked at it and said you know how can I help people who are also you know maybe not speaking up maybe they're not clear and articulating their value they're not asking for a promotion at work women are you know women are well known for not speaking up and not asking for what they want especially when it comes to securing a raise or promotion Um, so how do we how do we deal with that because women want to generally be nice. They want to be liked and they don't want to rock the boat. Well, guess what? <laughs> you know, you're doing yourself a disservice when you don't actually step into your full value. And Absolutely. why shouldn't you be paid the same for doing mm-hmm. the same work that men are doing, right? To be only paid 82 cents on the dollar is crazy. Even in this day and age in Canada, where I am, where it's legislated, it's still not happening. So um, that's, yeah, that's that's what that book is about. But it was almost like a download came through me. So at some point I stopped saying, you know, sort of best selling author because well, in some in some fields, because it's like I was the host. I was the conduit for those words to come through and get written. And then I had somebody come up to me, uh, come out through Facebook just recently and said, Oh, you're the woman who wrote um, words, women and wisdom. Um, the modern art of confident conversations it was on my nightstand in the shelter where I was and now I'm about to write my own book and I'm out there um, launching my e-course coming up and I thought wow I love it amazing Um, I don't know how much impact my book had on her but just the fact that she even recognized my name and mentioned it obviously it had some impact and when I sell a a physical copy they're on sale on Amazon uh, for every copy that's purchased one is donated to a women's shelter foundation or not for profit I do that in stacks of 10 so who knows where your who knows where your book will end up so you've got to get that yes. out there it's, it's coming it's coming it's coming it's coming okay awesome so what else yes. would you what else would you say that you have learned on your journey about um self-care oh my gosh I'm the self-care queen 
Because when you go through the healing process and um, you start to uh, define what things are to you, not for other people, you know, I'm definitely all about filling up your cup and it overflowing, you know, because if it's not filled and overflowing, you can't, you can't pour it to anybody else's cup. You don't have anything, right? It's totally depleted. So for me, I, um, I, I definitely know the power of the word no, you know, um, I definitely have embraced that. No is a complete sentence. You not, and I don't, I used to be a people pleaser and feel obligated to do things. Now I don't, Um, I'm just not, I don't, you know, if I don't want to do it, I'm going to say, I don't want to do it. If, um, you know, if I don't agree with it, I'm going to say, I don't agree with it. And that's it. (laughs) That is the end of story. I also, um, huge on people, well, with me, I'll say, and I teach my clients this to unlearn some things. Um, Don't create space for things to to flourish again, haven't you? And I think it's because our parents, you know, you know, we take what I took, what our parents taught us. And, you know, we think that's the icing on the cake. That's the creme de la creme. Well, some of it is, but for this day and age and for who you are currently, it probably isn't. So you need to define what that is for you. Right. So, I have defined what freedom means to me, you know, and I understand that. And that's why I work towards every single day. Mm. I also um, say that uh, it's okay to be free. It's, it's okay to, to have moments where, you know, you, you know, I'm not perfect. You know, I just want people to know just because I'm out here telling my story. I'm not crying to boohoo in Atlanta or it's not and stuff like that does not mean I'm perfect. I just got to a point where I forgave the person who raped me and I forgave myself and I'm keeping it moving. You know, so it's okay, though. I have moments where I have I feel a certain type of way. You know, I have those moments where I wake up and, and I'm not in the greatest space, you know, and I acknowledge that. And I ask myself, why do you feel this way? You know, trying to understand, you know, where this came from. It's okay to have those moments. What is not okay to do is stay there. So don't stay there. You have to acknowledge it and say, okay, move on. Yeah. Are you familiar familiar, um, with a book called The Presence Process? I'm not. But but it's something that, Again, you know, the, the, our listeners might find interesting too. It's by a gentleman called Michael Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he talks about is healing through um, bringing together unintegrated energy. Mm-hmm. So he was actually really, really sick and started doing some uh, specific breathing and mm. uh, meditations. And it led into some other trainings. So uh, he doesn't have a course on this. He decided that he didn't want to dilute the work. He wants it in the book. He's not training trainers to teach it or you know, building out an empire um, in that fashion. He um, does the work through the book. And it's basically a three-month program. You have to be not uh, not using any crutches. So no alcohol, drugs, smoking, anything. You have to be um, completely aware and in your mind and body. And he takes you through this process where you are bringing those those unintegrated energies together. And it's almost like once you start seeing the pattern, you sort of see the issue coming towards you. You can sit with it, process it as you shared and not try to sort of put it under the rug like you're not going to deal with it. You sit with it, you let the energy just naturally integrate and then you can move through it. Because um, if so, you don't deal with it, you go crash like I did. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So I encourage yeah. you to look look that up. Uh, Michael Brown, The Presence Process, powerful book. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a book that helped me a lot that I actually um, require in my coaching program. It will be The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, totally. it, yeah. So The Four Agreements. Um, really helps you put things in perspective for yourself. It really focuses on you. Yeah. Um, and so there are four agreements that, that he teaches and, and I love it. I've actually followed him on Facebook and I answer, uh, I ask him questions sometimes that he does answer back when he has time. But I do, um, I love that book because it really 
focuses on you and your energy, like what you contribute to it, you know, and it's very honest, you know, and, you know, you have to, in my humble opinion, you have to be at a certain level of your mindset to accept some of the things, because if you are in a victim mode, you're not going to accept, <laughs> you know, a lot of the stuff he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's me. interesting that, that we have, um, we have identified, I think as a society that, someone can be in as you call it victim mode right Mm -hmm. now obviously if you've been through something extremely traumatic that's what's at the basis of the of a lot of the behaviors that show up later Mm -hmm. and yet it's almost like when people say something about oh you're acting like a victim it's almost like it's a negative thing Mm -hmm. they're that they're not appreciating that there is something that's causing that because most people don't recognize it it. would you agree so here's it here's my take on it um first of all you can only recognize what's in yourself so if they're calling them a victim (laughs) they're likely to be one too um another thing is as people are in victim mode um they don't know that they're in victim mode but it's also not fair to project all of what you're going through to some, on somebody else right. as well. But a lot of people who are in victim mode, um, and I can speak for myself, actually, I didn't trust anybody to share my inner thoughts. I didn't trust anyone. You know, I didn't um, know how to share my inner thoughts. I've never taught that, like how to do those things. And so that's what's important right now. If somebody is in victim mode or you see that you have to give them a safe space so they can communicate to you what they're feeling they don't need to make be made fun of you're laughing at them because you don't understand it so you have to listen to understand not to respond you know so that's the, that's how I feel about it so what would be um for the, the, the education for the listeners what would be um maybe three or four things that they would be able to see happening in another person to identify that there's someone in their life that could actually be ready to step forward and do that healing work like what would be the first signal that the person's ready what would you ready for healing work yeah um I don't think anybody else can identify I think the person who wants the healing is the person who has to identify it now if they wanted to identify maybe if they are in victim mode, then I will say the first thing that you will understand is they never take accountability for anything. <laughs> it's always, well, if you didn't do this, if you ne- if you would have did it this way, well, I, you know, yeah, I did this, but it was only because such and such, such and such. You know what I'm saying? It's never, yeah, I messed up. I'm sorry. Okay, maybe I should. No, because it's more comfortable to be a victim than it is to say that you're wrong or to say that you're in, you know, anything other than being a victim. But as far as healing, I'm going to tell you what I said. I said, this cannot be what God wanted for me. (laughs) This, this life, this can't be it. And I think my brain, even though I didn't know how to, that's naturally gravitated me towards the help that I needed. That makes sense. So when you want healing is when you're tired of sick and tired of being sick and tired, being sick and tired of being sick and tired. When you, um, you know, when you are constantly thinking about shoulda, coulda, woulda, things in the past, you can't change the past. The only thing you can focus on is what's in front of you and how you can, and what's today, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, if you want to heal, um, is when you just want the things that the dream, like a lot of people who are not healed don't even think their dreams are possible. <laughs> you know, they think it's impossible. Nothing is impossible. We make it impossible. There's nothing impossible. Nothing, actually nothing. So um, just opening your minds, it's your mindset, you know? So that's the biggest thing when I'm, um, you know, coaching clients is let's work on your mindset and how you think. Even with me, you know, um, I have to change words that I say sometimes because, you know, you know, life and death is in the tongue. I didn't understand something. Oh gosh, some things that are in the Bible, I didn't understand until I started healing. I was like, oh, that's what he meant. Oh, that's what he meant by that. Oh, that's what he meant by that. You know? And so that's, you know, the the crust of it. So 
if you want healing, I'm here for you. I want to see you win. I want to see you uh, be a, a better version of yourself, you know, because I'm still evolving into a better version of myself. I want you to have that. And I'm here for you to help you, but you got to do the work. That's the thing. That's the main thing. You have to do the work. I did the work. I fought my negative thoughts. I fought you know, wanting to feel shame, blame it, because it wasn't my fault. I was 10. I don't care if you're 25. It wasn't your fault. If you're 45, it wasn't your fault. I don't care what age, but definitely at 10, it definitely wasn't my fault. You know, I didn't know, you know, and so with that, we're going to, you know, we also work on, um, you know, being so critical on yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> as well. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you, um, you have gone through a tremendous amount of healing yourself. Now you're out there doing the work to help other women as well. And men, men too. To be, to be stepping through that trauma and stepping into their own power. I know that you have a um, event coming up. So you have healing healing for your soul. So just share what that's about in a couple of minutes. So um, Healing for Your Soul is going to be my masterclass where I walk people through what healing is, because I think people need to understand what healing is first. You know, mm-hmm. they hear it, you know, because a lot of words that we say are so, um, I don't know what it's a word for, it becomes like popular, but that's not the word I'm looking for. But, you know, like self-love and all those words you see a lot of time, you know, a lot, you know, everywhere. So, but I really want people to understand what healing is. And I want to understand, understand for me why you why you think you need healing. And so through my masterclass, I, I I open up your mind to just what healing is and why it's necessary. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I'm offering that for free, free ninety nine, F R E E. So where <laughs> do people go to to learn about so that? so the, the links are going to be um, on my social media pages that I shared earlier. Um, and again, Let's I'll share, share them, them again. again. So yes. we've got and MS Rice 22. On yes. Instagram. That's Facebook. That's Facebook. That's, that's Facebook. Okay. Yes. And Instagram was mm-hmm. my first and last name. It's Instagram.com backslash my first and last name, which is M-A-L-A-U-N-R-I-C-E. So the links will be there. It's free. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't say that. October 16th at 11 o'clock a.m. I'm going to say Pacific Standard Time because I'm in Arizona and we're on the same time with uh, California and everybody on the West Coast because we don't honor time. So that messes me up with the time zones. (laughs) (laughs) So Healing for Your Soul coming up, um, a masterclass, a free masterclass that you're invited to join October 16th, Mm -hmm. 11 a.m. Pacific Time. I really hope that everybody who's listening, who's been intrigued by the work that you're doing, will be yes. attending that session and and sharing that information yes. tell that a friend. with your friends. Yes. yes, yes, tell a friend because you never know the impact that you can make in somebody's life just by offering a piece of information. As Milan said, if you're ready for this, then it could just be that this is the gift that you've been seeking. And this is a start to step onto that powerful healing journey. If you were intrigued to learn more, I encourage you to keep in touch with her. uh, Get uh, connected through Facebook, through Instagram. If you're also intrigued to learn more about the best-selling book, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations, which is which is my downloaded book, <laughs> it's now out also on audiobook. So that is actually available through my website. You can hop on to wordswomenandwisdom.com and it is spelled out A-N-D, not the ampersand that's on the book cover, wordswomenandwisdom.com. There's a red box on the left side of that main page that will give you an opportunity to download chapter eight for free. And then you'll get to hear more about also the audiobook. There's a little speech bubble on there above the book as well that gives you the link to go check it out on Amazon or also it's now on Sound as the audiobook. So thank you for sharing and bearing your soul today. I really appreciate your honesty in bringing forward your story. Powerful, powerful story. I'm so glad that you've turned that around and are now mm-hmm. out there doing work 
of this sort, helping others to heal. And I wish you amazing luck both with this masterclass coming up Thank and also you. with the book that is coming. Yes, it's <laughs> coming. But I want to let you know that you are doing amazing work too. Like I don't, you are, what you're doing is amazing. And um, women like us, you know, we just, I just want everybody to know, we really want to help you guys. This is not about money or anything. It's just the fact that it makes us happy to see, you know, see you win and see you get to where we're going. (laughs) When you're you're on a soul, when you're on a soul journey, um, obviously, um, you know, not everything that we do can be a free thing. Um, otherwise right, we're right. not able to build out the infrastructure to, help more, to help more people however right. um, let's get uh, connected follow us um, through Facebook through Instagram for Milan and keep in touch and listen out for the next Words Women and Wisdom radio show that will be airing on BBS radio coming up again soon thank you thank for your you. time today Milan and uh, everybody have an awesome day have bye a great now. day bye Ladies, a new book is on the horizon. Words, Women and Wisdom, the Modern Art of Confident Conversations. This new book is for women ready to rediscover their inner confidence, take a stand for themselves in life and business by using more powerful language. Words are so powerful and already changed history. On October 5th, The New York Times published a story detailing decades of allegations of sexual harassment against film producer Harvey Weinstein. And numerous women in the entertainment industry found the courage to go public, banding together with a powerful voice that change is long overdue. Even Oprah Winfrey, television network icon, gave a rousing speech at the Golden Globe Awards in January. The media has showcased the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund. The Me Too movement is flourishing and all signaling it's time for women's equality and change. I believe it's time to give women the verbal agility to create more confident conversations. Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations is the book which provides practical approaches for women to ask for what we really want and receive our request. Hello, I'm Yvonne Silver, Certified Executive Coach and Senior HR Professional, seasoned in business. I teach women to flourish in business by using more confident language to help empower and engage others. This book is the result of over 35 years of my career, professional career, working in four different countries. I've interviewed over 6,000 people in my career for job interviews, executive coaching, for sales and consulting conversations. And I've listened to hundreds of women in particular who are looking for a better way to collaborate. They're looking to be uh, asking for what they really want and heard and validated, especially in business. And women often earn less than men for doing exactly the same job. It's 2018. It's time for change. The modern art of confident conversations explores words we use at home, at work. Words that trip us up, elevate us and encourage us. And when no words are even required. It is about how to leverage the power of words in a positive, in a collaborative and impactful way. Now I work with women entrepreneurs and leaders who are empowering other women and leading through mentorship programs and my coaching, public speaking, interviews and writing. I'm passionate about women's equality. Why? I grew up in England in a house with a flow of negative comments from my father which destroyed my mum's dignity until she became an empty shell of the vibrant woman she'd once been, belittled by constant criticism and questioning of her abilities. Through my own life journey and supporting hundreds of female clients, I've discovered critical words to ask to get what we really want collaboratively. I know there are critical links between our language, our behavior, our mindset and our success in life. Words from a song can replay in our head for hours and poetry can bring a lump in our throats. 
I've combined my insights with interviews from influential women, sharing their pearls of wisdom, supplemented with research and reference studies from established scholars. Women are rising up. It's time for women to be heard. Let's use more powerful, positive language and join the rising tide of change. This book is for you, a woman looking to the future, ready to embrace significant positive changes in your life by using more confident language. Eliminate those words that drain your power, add words that energize and invigorate and shift from ordinary to extraordinary. Just one word can change your life. I believe every woman needs their own copy of this powerful book. It's time for action and time for change. Order and reserve your own copy of Words, Women and Wisdom today.